Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. It's October, which means the days are getting shorter. Oh, I don't like that at all. But it means something else. I know I'm going to freak you out, but I told you months ago, I was in a Costco in July, and they already had Christmas stuff out. So I don't seem quite as flaky to tell you that this year, October, is the new November for Christmas shopping. I know, it's crazy, but there's real value, and I'm going to talk about why you should get your act together now to start doing your Christmas shopping. Early bird's going to get the worm? Is that the expression? I always mess those up. Also, if you're out shopping, you're out dining, whatever, more and more places will not take cash. And checks, oh my goodness, I saw some stats from the Federal Reserve. Like nobody writes checks anymore. And actually, there's a good reason for that. And then there's freaky stuff like Amazon at some of its locations, physical locations, doing a palm read for verification of who you are and for your payment. Huh. You ready to sign up for that or have your eyeball verify you and pay for things? We're going to talk about all of that later in this podcast. Right now, shopping for Christmas in October. Well, why am I saying that? Well, we got the Amazon Prime Days coming up next week, and a lot of other sales will be wrapped into that because retailers are terrified because back to school was a bust. Retailers get a sense about what fall and Christmas shopping is going to be like from how back-to-school shopping is in August. And back-to-school shopping was weak. So they're really tweaking that all these goods, they have to commit to buying like a year in advance for Christmas. They got that inventory coming in, and they were a little more careful buying inventory for this Christmas season than prior. But people are telling pollsters, they're going to spend substantially less this Christmas and usually say, yeah, 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 people say that. But because back-to-school shopping was weak, retailers are front-loading sales this year. I mean, this is the fourth year that Black Friday no longer is a thing and Thanksgiving became just what it's supposed to be, a holiday so you can watch NFL football. But, you know, now... Black Friday is the whole month of November. But this year, October is going to be more than a prelim. There's going to be a lot of deals going on. Krista, I just saw a sale at the small electronics chain, Micro Center, 65-inch TV, $299. 
That's insane. And we're going to see a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, we always have, for the Christmas shopping season, great, great deals on electronics. We're going to see 75-inch TVs well below $500. We're going to see a lot of incredible deals. Computer sales have really slowed down. You're going to see all kinds of deals on computers, MacBooks, Chromebooks, Windows computers. So we're going to see all the electronics deals. And then clothing is a bigger, better deal than normal because of Xi'an. Xi'an has become such a threat to existing retailers of clothing and sellers of clothing in the United States. In addition to people not being into clothes like they used to be, it's going to be a very promotional period. So next week, a lot, a lot of bargains. Stores are, a lot of stores are even being reluctant to hire as many holiday season workers as in prior years because they're worried this is going to be a down year for Christmas. So if you can afford to spend, this is an opportunity. And I go into that because just because something's a deal doesn't mean you buy it. If your budget's really tight and you don't have the money, there's no more juice to squeeze out of the orange, what do you do? Make things for people yourself or do experiences with people, something that you know they love doing that you can go do with them that would be inexpensive. It doesn't have to be spending money. And I've had my fail-safe method for protecting your wallet during Christmas that I came up with about 30 years ago that you come up with an overall budget for Christmas, a lot higher now than it was 30 years ago. And you make a list of all your nice people and the naughties you're cutting off, nice people you put by each person of that universal budget, how much you expect to spend on them. You keep that with you in your notes section of your smartphone. And as you go out and you shop and you see that perfect thing for this person, that person, the other person, if you spend beyond the expected budget, you put it in there, you take money away from somebody else. On the other hand, you spend less on them because you found a great bargain, then you got a little extra money to spread around to others on your list. But stick to the overall amount that you came up with so you don't have the January hangover of all that debt from fall and Christmas shopping. Now, let's talk about something very important. Who needs to be on that list with a budget? You, yourself, me, myself, and I. Because the reality, when we're out shopping or we're online shopping, we see a lot of things we might not have been tempted to buy for ourselves otherwise. I hate that. The one for you, one for me thing. I've yeah. been caught in that for oh, sure. I mean, it happens. <laughs> so you need to be on that list as well so that you put a break on the spending you would do on yourself. And I will emphasize this again closer to Thanksgiving so that if you say, well, I already heard Clark say that in October. The point is I need to pound it into your skull to really budget so you don't have that January hangover. I also absolutely want to give a shout out to the ClarkDeals.com team. Next week, they have a, it's like a war plan for how they're going to handle Prime Day, not just on Amazon, but on the other sites that are competing yeah, it, with them. It was funny because we had a, a planning meeting about this a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they, they are so prepped because 
a lot of people, Amazon Prime people, they're only thinking about what Amazon's going to do. But what happens is Amazon's only a small part of overall retail is it triggers these Me Too sales from a lot of other people because Amazon's worried about their margins. Many times the other sales are better deals than what's available from Amazon. So we cover the whole Amazon Prime Day deals and the Me Too's which often are where your better bargains are. And the thing I love about our deals team is it's not just like, oh, Amazon's selling these things. Like what they do is they go in, they price compare, they have spreadsheets of what things have been. Are these really good deals? Because that's the thing that's hard to know. Like, is this really a deal or not a deal? And so I just, I love what they do. And they, there is a newsletter you can sign up now, subscribe to the Clark Deals newsletter at clark.com slash newsletters or clarkdeals.com. And, and there will be extra newsletters sent on the prime days because, you know, they have extra deals to send out. But normally it's once a weekday and then we have a special Sunday newsletter. You know, and Amazon has so much market power. You can see it because when we do our special edition newsletters during Amazon prime days, the open rate the percent of the newsletters that are opened for Clark deals skyrocket during Amazon Prime days. All right. I didn't mean to make that a commercial, but I just do love what the deals team does. Oh, I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Amazon antitrust lawsuit. Amazon has been accused by the feds and I think uh, 17 states of conspiring to raise prices on people through price manipulation and also to undermine other sites by making it difficult for third parties to sell both through Amazon and other sites. And we'll see how that all plays out. But it's funny, Amazon does have enormous market power, but they have not been able to make Amazon shopping very profitable for them at all, in spite of all that. All right. Speaking of prices, Sherry and Georgia wrote in with this question. I'm tired of paying exorbitant service and handling fees on tickets for sports and entertainment. As the consumer, what can I do if I want a ticket and only X online service sells the ticket? Isn't this a monopoly? Additionally, this is starting to trickle down into high school sports as well. Many times you must buy an online ticket and yes, pay a service fee what can we do? I've experienced that. Have you just, like going to high school football games and stuff? Yeah, the, the service fee mania is all Ticketmaster's fault. Ticketmaster came up with this business model where they realized the only customer they had to romance was the venue or promoter. And so they created this culture and ticket sales in the United States where once they locked down a monopoly on sales for a particular venue or promoter that they could rip you off because they were the only place you could buy with these gigantic add-on fees that recently came up, I think in a question on the podcast, that were 50% additional to the cost of the official price of the ticket. And this was not a third-party scalper. This was from the ticket seller itself. So, the problem, Sherry, is as long as the Congress fails to destroy the monopoly for ticket sales, the only choice you and I have is to not go, is to not buy. Congress will have all these highly publicized hearings about the Ticketmaster problem, and then they do nothing. This is the real core, is you and I have to decide, will we pay the monopoly toll bridge charge 
or not, that's where it is right now. You either go and get ripped off or you don't go. I did just avoid some fees on some college football tickets. The only way I was able to do it was I'm in a private group. No, I'm in a private group for that college for parents of parents of my daughter's college. And so I went in and someone was selling their tickets and I avoided the resale fees that you get from StubHub and SeatGeek and everything by directly transferring. But it was a known person to me in terms of being in this private group. You know, the best way to get cheap tickets to a college football game. What? Have the team you love have a bad season. Oh, then yeah. And the prices go down and down yeah. and down. I thought you were going to say, like, work the concession stand. Okay. Our well, int- you did that at... Um, Mikey Stadium for... That was my first job at West Point. I grew up near there. Okay. Art in Texas says, I purchased a 2023 Tesla Model 3 in April, getting the full tax credit, too. Tesla now offers an $1,800 extended service agreement for two years or 25,000 miles with a $100 deductible per claim. I've already had a steering wheel malfunction and an AC refrigerant issue. We've all had AC refrigerant issues with our Teslas, <laughs> I think. Oh, have okay. You? And on Consumer Reports, it has its reliability of three out of five stars. So, since it's a relatively newer type of car design, should I give Elon another $1,800 to cover his yacht fees or not? I think that's Bezos with the yacht, but yeah, I got Bezos you. has the world's <laughs> biggest yacht, uh, going back to the Amazon yeah. thing. So, Consumer Reports is really interesting when they write about Teslas. On the the road test, they get just about the highest scores any vehicles ever receive. But then the overall score for the Teslas is very low because of the predicted reliability being so poor. And so I've always said I'm neutral on car extended warranties because the cost of a repair can be so expensive. This is one I'll let you make the call on. It's why I say with a Toyota and a Honda, why would you ever buy an extended warranty? Because historically, they've been the two most reliable brands. In the case of Tesla, it's a big question mark. So I'll leave that for you to decide if you want to buy the Tesla branded two-year extension. Emily in Illinois says, I listen to you every morning and it always starts my day off on the right note. I have the Platinum Amex, which I love to use for free and limited access to the Delta Sky Lounge in addition to other travel benefits. In light of Delta's announcement restricting access to the lounges, plus the difficulty in achieving medallion status, I'm curious of Clark's thoughts on keeping this card or downgrading. So sort of a, an extra question onto what you talked about last week. So I don't know if this is the general non-airline specific American Express Platinum. If it is, and you're able to get the the dollar value out of the benefits offered, it's got a very high annual fee, seven hundred bucks. Yeah, it has to be that one because you can't get into the lounge with the oh, Platinum the, Delta. You, you have, have to have, to have the, the reserve. You uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if you're Delta centric, and that's why you have the Platinum American Express. And now you're limited to six visits a year starting next year, I think, with that card. Then uh, that's a lot of money to pay for an annual fee if you're not getting the benefit of the $300 a year in Uber credits and the other actual cash benefit back. You have your airline fee thing that they reimburse for another 200 I think, whatever. Um, if you can't see your way to where that's really working for you, then I would dump it. And if you're looking for lounge access as an important benefit, the Capital One Venture X, which has an annual fee of $395, I know it's going to go up, but $395, and 
you can give additional cards to other people for free with that one. And then they have the same privileges. That's the, the best deal for somebody who travels a decent amount, likes having access to lounges, and you get back 300 of 395 in annual fee when you use their travel portal to book various types of travel, airline tickets, hotels, whatever. And so that would be the card I would substitute in as a better deal than the Amex Platinum. We continue to get so many questions about the Delta changes, but what I've really noticed is people get in my face about it. I mean, everywhere I've been in America recently, people are like on me, like I'm, I work for Delta or something. It's like they're just so frustrated. And the Delta changes, Delta did it for a specific reason. They only want to give privileges to people who spend a zillion dollars with them. And everybody else can get lost. So coming up ahead, we're going to talk about how more and more your eyes, your fingerprints, your palms, whatever, Your full face now in certain situations is how you're identified. And in addition, old-fashioned ways of paying for things, they're going virtually extinct. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mentioned recently that when I came back in the country, I did not need my passport to show at immigration. I went to a uh, terminal. It scanned my face and told me to proceed into the U.S. Didn't ask me any questions, nothing. It knew who I was from a full facial image. In more and more airports, your facial image gets you onto a plane, no boarding pass, You go through an automated gate. I was just overseas and went through immigration in Italy. I went to a terminal. It did the same thing. Took my image, knew who I was. I went through the turnstile and I was in the country. We're going to see more and more of this stuff where identity cards, credit cards, passports, the rest are not going to be essential. I mean, you have to have them with you, but you don't have to show them or use them. This is good and bad. The bad, it is such a clear invasion of your and my privacy that our digital image, our biometrics, our eye scans, that all of that is how we are identified. The irony of it is potentially 
it prevents, if this kind of thing becomes widely adopted, it prevents someone who has stolen our credit card or credit card number from being able to use it. Because the reality is nobody knows who we are anymore. So biometrics is a way potentially of reestablishing that. But how we pay is going through such a change. I was looking through some stats from the Federal Reserve that were published in a recent Washington Post article. And it's crazy how people no longer use cash, what was referred to as the cash crash. And debit cards are actually declining as an overall piece of the pie. What people are using more and more is credit cards instead of debit cards. And credit cards are great as a payment system and as a protection for purchases you make where you're not going to be able to receive the goods or use the service till a future date because you have protection with them that you don't have with any other form of payment. Debit cards, even though they look the same, don't have those protections. And I think that's why for more and more transactions, people are using their credit card instead of debit card. The overall dollar volume, much higher for credit cards and debit cards, even though the transaction numbers for debit cards are significant. But the debit card thing was more popular than it is now. The credit card only becomes a problem if you're using it as a borrowing system. And I talked about that just recently with the enormous interest rates that you're paying on credit cards. Average at a bank now 22%, credit union 12%. And then let's look at checks. Checks are the most dangerous thing you can use or ever send through the mail. Because criminals can so easily, once they've intercepted your check, duplicate the account numbers, write checks as if they're you, and then you can be arrested as a bad check writer. It happens all the time. And the word's really gotten out about how dangerous checks are, that now checks account for roughly 2%, 2% of transactions. And if you are someone who's old school and you carry a checkbook with you on your person or in your purse, no more, no more, no more. You are opening yourself up to more hassle than you could ever imagine. When someone gets a hold of your checking account number or your checks, you would not believe how hard it is to stay out of jail and also prevent the theft of money from your checking account and try to get it restored. The banks don't want you using checks. I don't want you using checks. Checks are trouble. They'll vanish. Checks like we think of them as a paper check you write and all that. I mean, that's going to disappear. It already is in other countries because this is an archaic way to pay bills. So the hardest part with all this is that when you pay with a credit card, debit card, with your iPhone, your Android, Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, or GPay, when you do that, the biggest problem, and again, whether you're doing form of payment, debit, or credit, is that we lose track of our spending. Whatever method works for you, that you are monitoring your accounts regularly so you see what you're spending, or the craziest idea that we got from a listener about 15 years ago 
And at one time was a very popular download from Clark.com and nobody does it anymore. I don't even know if we still even have it at Clark.com anymore. It was a thing where you could print out your own register to keep track of your credit and debit card spending to see what was happening with your money. And that's the hardest part of all this as we move to whatever form of payment other than cash is cash, you know, it's finite. You see it shrink right before your eyes is with these modern forms of payment, we do lose track of our spending and we don't feel the same connection to the spending that we did when we had to peel off ones, fives, tens, and twenties. How do you control your spending in an all electronic payment era? It's not easy. I just check my bills all the time and look at them. But yeah. How often do you look? I look at least weekly. Yeah, I definitely, I look every single week. Yeah. All right, let's go to some questions. This one's from Kurt in California. You always give us tips on getting the best airfare in coach. We now are hooked on flying overseas in business class. Our last trip was in business and we loved it. How do we find sales if there are any on business class flights? Clark, you rock. And also Dave and Sharon wrote in asking a similar question. They've seen ads for consolidators saying they can get you business class fares to Europe. And so I thought. No, 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 no. Yeah. Consolidator airfares are, this is like buying a junk bond. You could make a nice return on it. You could also get burned badly and lose your money. Consolidators work in kind of a gray area of the airline industry where an airline's trying to get seats sold without having to worry about a competitor matching their fares. So they work in this gray market and sell tickets through these third parties below the list price. The problem is consolidator, it's an unstable industry. It's kind of um, fuzzy if you're dealing with somebody that's going to be reliable, that's going to be able to deliver to you. So this is an area that requires caution. Now back to the original question, how do you find great deals on business class fares? I only know one way. It's from Going, which is formerly Scotch Cheap Flights. I'll never stop saying. I know. Going formerly known as Scotch Cheap Flights. so bitter about the name change. I hate the name change. Scott Kyes. I mean, you established a name for yourself, and then you went generic? Okay. Okay, anyway. So Scott (laughs) has a newsletter just for premium seat sales, premium economy, business class, first class, international it's a more expensive newsletter from Scott because the people buying them, the stakes are much higher. If you can get, I mean, routinely, you'll see today international business class fares, 2000 to 2900 right in that range through Scott. So if you went straight to an airline just trying to hunt for a fare, you might see it as six to $8,000. A couple more travel questions because we're on the subject. Justin in Georgia says, I know picking a destination to travel breaks one of your cardinal rules, but we really want to visit Japan. We are at least flexible on when we go. We're considering a Japan cruise itinerary and adding on some land days to the tour to tour the country before the cruise. I hear Japan is an expensive country to visit. Do you have any tips for saving money while there? Yeah. All right. So that's a lot of questions. Let's first deal with the airfare. The cruise you're going to go on, they may offer a cruise-based airfare that will be much cheaper than you can buy on your own. Could be. So if 
you're putting together a trip and you got to match up the flights with the itinerary of the cruise anyway, see if the cruise line is offering cruise line fares that are cheaper than you can buy on your own. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Second, there's a lot of competition from the West Coast to Japanese airports, very little from the eastern half of the country. As with many places in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, if you look at fares from the West Coast, especially L.A., San Francisco, and Seattle, as your gateways to Japan, the cost of domestic tickets is going down, down, down for you to get to any of those three places. Just leave a good buffer of time between your domestic flight and international. I prefer overnight in one of the three cities. You may find that will get you a much lower fare than you would otherwise get. I've been to Japan three times. I'm going again next year. So I love Japan as a destination. It's the only place in the world I ever ran out of money while I was traveling when I went the first time 40 years ago. Japan was then the most expensive place in the world to travel. Not anymore. Plus, today, you're not going to run out of, you had to have actual yen in your hands back then. There were no credit cards taken. Today, I find Japan to be much more affordable than other places I go in the world. And I've not found it to be at all a budget buster. A lot of very, very good hotels, even in Tokyo, that are not crazy expensive. Cheaper, certainly, than New York. A good hotel in Tokyo. Read the reviews thoroughly on TripAdvisor is my go-to. You got to know there's a lot of fake reviews there, so you really got to read them. You can find a good hotel in Tokyo for under 200 U.S. a night. Really good hotel. Elsewhere in Japan, around 125 a night. You should be able to find good hotels. And I'm then gonna, the Japan Rail Pass. Go ahead. Japan Rail Pass <laughs> is incredible as a way to get around the country. You must buy it in the United States before you go to Japan. And I have to bust you a little bit. I was there with you on the staff trip 22 years ago. I watched you in Japan eat McDonald's for several meals. You stayed in a micro hotel room at one point where you literally could touch each of the walls. I wasn't in a capsule. I was in a micro room. Yeah, micro, micro room. So you'd saved in other ways like that too. Okay, this was so funny. (laughs) My hotel room was just under 70 square feet. (laughs) And the bathroom, if you could call it that, was the same size as one of those micro toilet rooms on an airplane. And in there, it had kind of like a shower. It had this little thing you could wash yourself with. It was on top of the toilet. The sink was on top of the toilet. I mean, it was really, really austere, but it was only, it was in Kyoto. Mm -hmm. And it was only 40 U.S. dollars a night at a time that Japan was more expensive as a place to go. Sasha in Arizona says, we booked a fabulous fare to Costa Rica thanks to Going.com. My question is pertaining to car rental. Costa Rica is rumored to have lots of added insurance costs to the base price. Many people are surprised when they arrive in the country of the actual cost of their rental. How can I avoid a surprise? You've rented a car there before, haven't you? Um, Yes, we did rent. Yeah, uh, Costa Rica is the world's worst to rent a car in. I mean, you just go and you put in as a search on whatever search engine you use, Costa Rica car rental scam, Costa Rica car rental ripoff, and you will see 
one video after another. People have posted in rage on YouTube. You'll see post after post from travel sites, from travelers about how they got ripped off for even into the thousands of dollars on a car rental in Costa Rica. This is something the Costa Rican government needs to address. People are there at the counter and they say, no, you can't have your car unless you buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. So I want you to get on whatever search engine you use, read briefings from people, not just raging, but read briefings from various Costa Rican experts about how you can mitigate the harm, the damage. One thing in Costa Rica, a lot of the car rental companies are UFOs. They're brands that aren't anywhere else in the world. No one's heard of them. If you book through a major U.S. rental agency and you know you're going to pay more in the stated price per day than you're going to see from all these UFOs in Costa Rica, you have a much better chance of not being ripped off for the many thousands of dollars per week on a car rental in Costa Rica. Um, I love what I saw over and over again. People said they would pose this thing like rhetorically, who would I rent a car from? No one. Don't rent a car in Costa Rica. I mean, it's that bad in Costa Rica. I mean, it's such a fixable problem. Why damage the reputation of your country as a tourism destination because you're allowing people to be cheated on car rentals? There's all these weirdo junk fees there, which is why I can't even go into all of it. And you've got to read as much as you can. If you use a traditional travel agent to help you book your trip, they've had this, they've heard it, they've seen it. They may be able to help you book with an agency where you're not going to get cheated. And I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. All week long, we have free one-on-one advice available to you. Something we've been offering since 1993 from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center. To see how to get free one-on-one advice, go to clark.com slash CAC.